0: Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm once again joined by Brandon Piller and Ross Levitan of the Lockdown Senators podcast, who are you just just FYI, congratulations, you're the first three-time recurring guest, so, uh, you know, it's, it's such an honor to be, no, I'm kidding, um, but thanks so much for, for all your help, I, I do want to reiterate it, and I, I think I said it last time, but you guys have really helped me out with this show, and I don't think I'd be here without you guys, so, really cool to have you guys on and and i mean um you know the numbers speak for themselves you guys are the the biggest sense podcast out there and you know getting the the gm the coach uh hopefully maybe the owner one day that that'd be pretty cool too um so uh i hope you guys are doing well and excited for a really really fun season
1: yeah, we're going to have another dad on this week. That's that's where we're we're turning our attention uh now here as we get into the season. It's a it's a father that has a bit of an NHL history himself and sure. isn't scared to make um his opinion known whether his uh his kids teams are oh. playing well or not.
0: Oh, I I think I think I know who that is. I was going to is it I was firstly going to think is it Shane Pinto's dad because I see him on Twitter all the time, but
1: Be a good guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, just first, guys, like I want to jump into I, first, I was listening to you, Ross, and I want to ask both of you guys um, just this question. I heard the story of how you got Pierre Doran on the podcast, and I just want you to talk a bit, little bit about that and, and then both of you about what, what was what's it like um, for you guys to interview him as well.
2: Well, Ro- Ross does the guest booking, so I'll uh, I'll leave this one to Ross.
1: Well no, I think it was just a point where the Sens PR was just like, Okay, hey, they're they're not gonna stop. Right? they're just gonna
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I heard you bumped into him at a Winnipeg ice game. That's that's
1: that that was I think yeah, you're right. We actually hadn't had him on before that, eh, Pilsy?
2: Yep, no, that's true.
1: Yeah, it was a playoff game. So it would have been spring of twenty twenty two where we, we had uh yeah, we had Sens prospects uh in the game for, for Winnipeg. They traded for Zach Stapchuk mm-hmm. and uh, and for Carson Latimer as well, so I went to check it out, and I turned over my shoulder, and and there's Pierre, so I went up to him, I said hi, and I think we just had Matt Silgard on the day before, so I mentioned something about that, and um, he's like, oh, I'd I'd come on sometime. I was like, oh, interesting, because we've actually asked for you before, and he goes, <laughs> oh, uh, send another message, and uh, and we'll make it happen. So. Yeah, I think uh there's obviously a, a very wide variety of opinions on on Pierre Dorian, the general manager. And I think that a lot of those are very valid with uh some of the good moves, some of the bad moves. I heard somebody say in the comments for uh, Lockdown Sanders YouTube the other day, he he's basically Babe Ruth, he either hits home runs or strikes out. <laughs> I can appreciate a guy who goes up to plate looking to looking to clobber one and, and score runs, but um yeah, you can't can't take anything away from him as a person. I think every interaction I've had with him has been extremely uh, genuine. I think that he gets a bit of a reputation as being goofy. I think that's just him being himself and I appreciate that. So yeah, I, I think it it's just worked out where, um, where, yeah, now he's been a three-time guest on the show and we are able to sit down with him in person that uh, last time at dev camp. So yeah, it's uh, it's good. We we kind of want to always be an arm's length away from the organization. I think that you can mm. get caught up of trying to, you know, watch what you say if uh, if you get in too close. But it's nice to to kind of have a mutual respect for what we do and uh, and him helping us out. So, yeah, it's, it's been really beneficial to the growth of our show, for sure.
0: See, like, and, and, and Ross, you can chime in as well. But like, how do you stay an arm's length away while having not just a coach, but like players and uh, coaches and and just how do you kind of navigate that? Because you guys are fans. You're not necessarily like journalists at the same time, but like, how do you manage that for your show?
1: Well, one, I'll say, and Pillsy, I'll throw to you on this. DJ Smith definitely doesn't remember coming on our show. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> that's totally okay. I'm sure he does a lot of media.
1: Well, no, it was also like right after practice. Like typically it's like, you know, an off day or whatever, and, and we'll send a link and like they're at their home. They're in a little more of like a comfortable setting for them. DJ was still wearing his tracksuit, like sweating coming off the ice. Like it was just, it was just different. It was in training camp, but it's yeah. just like we've learned our lesson. The best time to have coaches on is in the summer when they're actually like decompressed.
2: Yeah, because otherwise, like a coach is stressed. Like he's he's doing that interview with us, but he's thinking about something after that he's got to talk with with the assistants and things like that. Uh, Alex, to answer your question though, we our our main focus is is to be a fan forward podcast we uh affectionately call ourselves the people's pod for fans by fans whatever slogan you want to throw in here that that's our whole ideology because look if, if we wanted to cover this as members of the media it just wouldn't have that same vibe wouldn't have that same flavor uh nothing ross and i do is really scripted it's we barely do any preparation for shows anymore we just kind of hit record and and let it fly and if you become too close to the team then you're second guessing everything you're saying you're you're mm-hmm. trying to make sure that you're not burning any bridges you're you're being too positive you're not really covering the team from a way that fans expect you to and Ottawa Senators fans are some of the most passionate fans in the league and they know who's who the real ones are and who who's just kind of uh carrying water for the team and things like that right so you can't get in a spot like that but at the same time you know you want to have a good relationship with the team that's how you get access to players and that's how you have interviews you don't want to just be crapping on the team all the time i mean we covered this team we did did episode 886 today no playoff games i was gonna say (laughs) And we've had to navigate through those kind of uh, tough rebuilding years where they're losing a whole lot more games than they're winning. So it's been kind of uh, the ebbs and flows of covering a team like that has made it interesting to have a relationship with the team, but also not be directly tied to tied to them. And when we say like
1: not being negative, I feel like sometimes we get a bit of of a reputation of being a little overly optimistic, but I think that goes back to being a fan. You always want yeah. the best for your team. It's more delusion than anything. Like we're not <laughs> because they want to be hyped up. We're hyping ourselves up because we genuinely believe this is the year. And like, we're, we're just genuine fans at the end of the day. So I think that, that sometimes comes off as a us like you know excusing different um, potential mistakes that every team makes mistakes of course throughout the the time but where we kind of like you know shrug off the losses and you know um, hold the trophy up every little victory but I also think that that's kind of going to change this season I've already been a little more openly critical I I think that there's a point in every rebuild that it's been seven years it's time to you know either make a ginormous change in terms of who makes the decisions. Or it has to come to fruition that what you've been building can can be lived in and sustained and, and have victories to go. This was the first time the senators had ever been over 500 that we covered them. And if you add the overtime losses, they weren't. So it's kind of, you know, a step in the right direction. And I think that's where some of the optimism comes from, genuine optimism. But there's also a, a part of us as fans where it's like, you know, we want the best for the team versus the individuals involved. So I think that's where the the standpoint we come from is, yeah, if you come on the show, we're going to, you know, be a little biased towards you. That's just kind of, you know, nature of, of knowing people and understanding them as people, as much as assets or players or whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, those people are also fans of different sports in different leagues. So everyone kind of understands the fan mindset if you're in professional sports. And, um, I think that the players if we're hard on them they know it's not that we want to see them fail them succeeding in ottawa does better for us at the end of the day too so it's kind of that balance there and i think there's that mutual understanding uh where we want the best for the team because then everybody is happy when the team's winning
0: what would you say your favorite Interview or relationship has been like throughout like your what is it like you started in twenty seventeen or, or I 2019. think Sean was twenty nineteen but like yeah just your yeah. whole journey what, what what would you say like individually or if you both have thought about this and have a collective answer what's kind of been like the most impressionable memory for you both.
1: Well, we started this podcast three months after we met, and then Pillsy yeah. was one of my groomsmen at my wedding, so I, I'd be remiss <laughs> not to say that us being able to do this every day and coordinating exactly. schedules and understanding when, you know, when Pillsy has an early morning at the farm and I'm an hour earlier here, like, yeah, I'll wake up at 6 a.m. and do it, or, you know, him understanding that my schedule's a bit all over the place week to week, and, uh, man, I don't know if we'd be able to do this, Pillsy without Apple uh, calendars automatically doing the one-hour time change uh, for <laughs> us, or else we'd be lost in that time zone like you wouldn't But uh, yeah, I think that that's obviously the most impressive thing is us being able to like we don't we don't even take like days off, let alone like weeks, like, you know, even like a radio show. It's like, oh, filling in for this person today. It's like, no, we don't have fill ins like we do this every day. And I think that commitment to me is like the biggest thing that I've taken away from the, the whole experience that we feel is still just getting going.
2: Yeah and I'm not sure if if you're talking more uh players and member of the media Alex but uh, uh like kind of what Ross is saying like again like our our relationship with Leem's Martian. Like that's, a, that's a guy we met online, uh, just a Sens fan that kind of vibed with us and we uh, end up building relationship. And now we're, we're helping each other out with all our content creation. And that's been a really fun, um, thing to kind of build on. And, uh, Martian was at Ross's wedding as well. We're all really mm-hmm. good, good friends now. And it's, we kind of become a little trio here. So it's just things like that where, We're Sens fans used to, well, Ross grew up in Ottawa, but I I grew up outside of Ottawa. So I'm used to Habs fans, Bruins fans, Leafs fans, obviously picking on me and me feeling like, well, there's no other Sens fans here. I'm all on my own. So the biggest thing has been being able to band together and seeing the community that's here that just needed a, a platform just needed a spot or some way to come together and uh, kind of celebrate what it is being an Ottawa Senators fan the trials and tribulations of it and uh, the nostalgia of it all so I think that's been a big thing for us is is building those relationships and and trying to get the community together so that um, sense fans can be proud and passionate and uh just overall we're just trying to have a good time so that's been a fun part of building these relationships
0: as as Sens fans what do you make of new ownership like I mean uh very contentious relationship with the the previous owner but now it seems as though Michael Anlauer wants to spend money um seems to really understand the fan base I really haven't heard one fan that seems to be upset at Anlauer at least right now we'll see when uh, the season starts and they start maybe going on a losing streak, but what have you made just your initial thoughts of him coming into the organization and and just for the fan base as well?
2: I mean, it it feels good. It's a breath of fresh air. Like this is you just get that sense of uh, professionalism um, experience. I just feel like we're since fans are going to get some stability. And that's something that uh, this fan base hasn't hasn't had a lot. Look, there's been some great ups in this organization, but there's been some pretty low lows as well. And uh, the up and down, and the wild uh, press conferences, and just thing kind of being looked at as a bit of a, a laughing stock by other uh, fans and organizations around the years. It gets tiring after a while. It's a it's a tired thing to have to deal with. And now you've got a guy in Michael Landauer who has pedigree. He's got goals. He's won multiple championships with his Hamilton Bulldogs. Steve Steos was a, a part of that as well. He's been a minority owner with the Montreal Canadiens. So he understands and is respected in kind of the world of NHL ownership. And it just seems like his press conference that he had, he was saying all the right things. He wants the new arena to be focused on the fans. He wants to build a contending team on the ice. He wants to be an employee player first type of owner and These are the things that Ottawa Senators fans needed to hear, because honestly, I think above all, the fans crave stability. That's like (laughs) we just need some consistency here and some stability and a guy who you can see steering this ship. And it it feels like he's going to have success here. And it feels good to have Michael Landlauer as the new owner.
1: Yeah, I'd just echo everything Pillsy said basically. Like it's just a matter of having somebody who um, you know, hasn't burned any bridges yet. And I mean, if you ask people in 2004 about Eugene Melnick, they'd probably say the same thing. So I'm excited to see this play out, but certainly there's such a level of optimism. The one thing I'll, I'll echo with, or uh, add to what Pilsy was saying is I really hope, and I think this is a priority is seeing the alumni get more involved and mm-hmm. uh, just being able to connect a thread through the past, present, and to the future of the organization is a huge thing. and And I'm hoping to see more of that going forward. Are
0: you ready for Alfredson to be uh, unveiled as like some part of the organization? Because it's going to be
2: this Friday. It's going to be Ann Lauer's a Friday uh, news announcer type guy. Which uh, under the old regime, that was kind of like, okay, we got terrible news here. Let's uh, <laughs> hide it under the rug Friday afternoon when all the media members are going on their weekend and people aren't aren't concerned about it anymore. Whereas now, it's more like, hey, Friday's here. What what big news can we celebrate?
0: Uh, it would also be nice if uh, Shane Pinto were were to be signed. I want to ask you guys about that, and just maybe um, we're talking off air just about Pierre Dorian in the summer, and he's a bit he's got between a a rock and a hard place on on Shane Pinto. Um, I think they have one hundred twenty thousand uh, dollars in cap space. Um, obviously, news last night about Sokolov and JBD, um, friend of your show, and, and Igor. Um, the shark, but uh, what 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 do you think kind of plays out here, and and what would you do if you're Pierre Doran to get the cap space to to sign Shane Pinto?
1: This is a new world for us. We don't really <laughs> get the cap that much. We've been working yeah. on how you get to the floor over the last number of years on the show, so. <laughs> For us, it's it's really kind of a learning process to know what these different cap manipulations you can do to fit guys under. So I guess as we're recording right now, the future of J- Jacob Bernard Docker is unknown. He signed that one-way ticket, um, so that I believe means that his contract would be buried in the AHL, if it if it if he does get claimed, which would clear up a little bit of space, but um, yeah, I think uh, Elliot Freeman reported the other day it's not so much a matter of you know fitting him in under the cap as it is agreeing to terms on a contract. So that has to be the first step. You can be over the cap uh, in preseason. Other teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs need to find ways to shed salary as well. So it's a competitive market from that perspective, which means it's great to be a a buyer of of cap where if you have a team like Arizona or whatever that has that, yeah. you, you have a bit of an advantage right now. So who's going to blink first is is really the question between Shane Pinto and the Ottawa Senators. But with the question marks around Shane Pinto's health, or sorry, Josh Norris's health, Shane Pinto becomes even that much more critical of a part of the future. So this is a huge storyline to watch play out, both the health of Josh Norris and the status of Shane Pinto.
0: What do you you think, like, how would you grade Pierre Dorian? Like, you had the the funny thing that uh, we talked about um, just before we started about the Babe Ruth analogy with Pierre Dorian. How would you kind of assess his time in in Ottawa? Because, I mean, you know, he could come back, but it feels as though this might be his one last year to kind of take a big crack and and get the sense into the playoffs.
2: I mean, this is a big year for Pierre Dorian. I I think it's widely regarded he this year will determine his future in the Ottawa Senators organization and honestly beyond the to reference Elliot Friedman again he said Pierre Dorian this season is going to be his resume if he doesn't continue with the Ottawa Senators he can say look this is what I built this is what I can do for your franchise uh and Anyone can tear a team down. Anyone can take star players and trade them for draft picks and get prospects and gather all that together. Anyone can do that. That's the easy part. How can you take everything you've gathered from tearing this Senators team apart for the last five years? And how can you build and put that all together to make it worthwhile and to make all that pain and suffering worth it? Mm -hmm. And how can you fit everything under the cap and properly build a roster that's set up for success? That's where the question comes for Pierre Dorian because – he's had no issues making those trades and like he's hit some massive, like Tim Stutzler, that's not a home run. That's a (laughs) grand slam that Eric Carlson trade was a grand slam for Pierre Dorian. But now you look at some questionable things like, buying Michael delzato out to save $500,000 uh, bringing in Tarasenko for one year, 5 million, when you're trying to get Shane Pinto signed. still there's so many things that he's really kind of taken risks on that are coming back to bite him. And he's going to have to figure out how he's going to get himself out of this mess. So I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for Pierre Dorian. That's for sure. And I think, this year is going to be a massive, massive year as far as it goes for his career.
0: How, what, what do you like, like, what are the chances of this team to make the playoffs? Like I know last year they talked about, you know, what was the, the quote was like, we want to be in meaningful games. They haven't said the playoffs is the goal, but I think that it's so clear cut, but what does this need the, does this team need to improve upon if they are going to make the playoffs? And is it just internal growth? Is it just a healthy Josh Norris? I mean, it might be a combination of it all. But what what do you think is the most important thing for this team to kind of get good at it and play well um, in terms of making the playoffs next year? Or this they year?
2: have they have to make the playoffs this year. Uh, Ross and I on uh, Locked On Senators our our slogan is playoffs or bust. No excuses, and there can't be any excuses. And I think. The number one thing, uh, look, I could could come on and and talk about health and injury problems, but that's all hypothetical. Who knows what's going to happen? There's not really any way to predict that one way or another. So, And using health, that's an excuse. There can't be an excuse. I'm not going to go that direction, Alex. What I'm going to go with is this team has to get off to a hot start. They cannot have a situation where it's November and they're at the bottom of the league and they're saying, well, how do we get rid of pieces so we can recoup some assets because this year's already finished? They can't have that. They need to have a hot start. And more importantly, the month of November has been a killer for the Ottawa Senators in the last couple of years, particularly under DJ Smith. So what they have to do is they have to come out of October and November being at the very least, bare minimum at 500. Like you got to be better than 500. Like they need to be in a position where they're still in the hunt and especially you look at the Atlantic division, this is a tough division, but the Florida Panthers, they've got big injuries on the back end. You look at uh, Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Montour out. That's their, arguably their top two defensemen. Mm-hmm. So you need to beat those teams early. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning just announced Vasilevsky will be out for, I believe it's like eight to 10 weeks. So you need to jump on top of them while you can as well to get those legs up on those division teams. So, This start and beating division rivals is going to be the focus and the recipe for success, in my opinion.
1: Two times the Senators host in all the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first ten games; those are as must-win as they can be for that early in the year.
2: Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, I I I wrote an article about um, the Sens potentially be be being better than the Leafs this year. Do you think I'm taking crazy pills? Is that possible? Because I look at their that team and their decor, I do not like the Leafs' decor this year. Their four group's still pretty good. Their goaltending is, you know, good. But I don't know if the Sens, the Sens arguably have better tandem. Just it, it, Could the Sens finish above the, the Leafs this year? Like, how likely is that?
1: I think it's unlikely, if not highly unlikely. But I'm starting to take my own crazy pills, Alex. And I'm, I'm yeah. starting to think that Ottawa could challenge for a top three spot in the division. I really think the Tampa Bay lightning, not that, that injury to Vasilevsky cannot be overstated yep. how critical he is for their success. So when you put those all together, I think that's now the team I'm staring at. We know Boston's going to regress, but I always tell people they are like, Oh, Boston's not going to make the playoffs. Like they literally still have the coach of the year the goalie of the year, a 60 goal scorer on offense and Charlie McAvoy, who's the number one defenseman on any team in the league. And Hampus Lindholm might be the most underrated defensively. He's legitimately a top 20 defenseman in the entire NHL. So I still think they're a playoff team. You can see what they want oh, down the middle.
2: They're so good. I'll say this when it comes to Leafs ends, the, the Leafs may have a better regular season and congrats to the Leafs. They're very good at having good regular season <laughs> records. Sweet. But you get these two teams in a round one matchup, then oh, please. I I'm liking the senators' chances. I'll I'll just put that, leave it at that.
1: Yeah, same.
0: Um, with that, I, I you know, I've listened to you guys for, for a couple years now, and it's always been about going into the season, who's gonna play with Thomas Shabbat, who's the top four defenseman, and they finally have that answer. They got Jacob Chikrin, Jake Sanderson like really looks good in preseason i really like that he's been coming kind of showing more an offensive flair early on but um what what do you make of this decor is this like one of the better decors in the league and i'll put you on the spot as well who's the best defense who will be the best defenseman on the sense at by the end of the year
1: I'll start with the last question Alex the best defenseman on this team is Jake Sanderson I don't think it's necessarily close either I think he's that good that talented never gets tired never makes mistakes never takes penalties and then if you add an element more of offense beyond the 30 points that he was able to get in his rookie year like this guy he's unbelievable
0: do you, do you think he could get a Norris one day like I on like that's maybe where I, again crazy pills but um Do you think that's something that he could be in contention for down the, down the road?
1: I think saying in contention for is the way to go, Alex. I wouldn't be able to be out here making that type of statement when the NHL still has Rasmus Dolly and Miro Haskin and who are all (laughs) on Quinn Hughes. Like those guys, I would say are all like Adam Fox. Yeah. Well, beyond where Jake Sanderson is now, but they also have a lot more experience. So I think he can be in the contention with them and, and that's really a huge compliment. So Um, I take him first and then I'll go so far as saying Jake, uh, uh, not Jake, sorry. Jacob, uh, is my number two, man. That guy is, is unreal. The more you watch him, the better he looks. He's just so sturdy defensively. And that active stick, like it's kind of a cliche in hockey, but every time the rush comes down, it feels like he's getting a a one hand whip and, and breaking up plays. It's, it's really an impressive talent that he's mastered.
0: With that, I want to go to Tim Stutzla because he's just looked he's just like so fun to watch, like just how dynamic he is. And he has that kind of um, he has what uh, Brad Treleving said. He has a lot of snot to his game that not a lot of Leafs uh, seem to have. But um, how how likely do you think it is that he can be close to 100 points this year? And can you do like do you think at the end of the day he might be the best Sen of all time?
2: I mean, best cent of all time. That's that's pretty big when you look at Daniel Alfredson. Uh you look at uh, Eric Carlson, obviously, but it's early, so it's tough to say, but I don't think it's that it's that crazy. Like he just hit 90 points last year and he played 78 games. So an extra four games you can you can mix in a couple more points there, and then the way And it looks like this will be the top line. The way Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzel, and Claude Giroux played together in the latter half of that season when they were aligned together was incredible. And I don't see Claude Giroux slowing down just yet. Brady Kachuk has a lot to prove. This is a big season for him as a captain. So I honestly think... Tim Stutzer can, can get hundred points this season and the sky's the limit for him. He's so motivated. He's got that new contract. Now he doesn't have to worry about uh, anything like that. He can just focus on hockey. He's one of the most driven guys I've ever seen. He's so competitive. So Timmy superstar is, is just scratching the surface and that's saying something.
1: The, the number to watch for this year for me is 106, which would be one more than Danny Heatley had in 06,
2: 07. It would be the
1: franchise record for most points in a season. I'm not saying that he's going to get there this year, but I'm sure Tim Stutzel has taken a look at uh, quanthockey.com before and checked out what the uh, single season records are for the Sens. Maybe he hasn't. He probably looks at which which wins team uh, had the most because he, he really does always deflect to the team, which uh, any, any fan would love to hear. But as a true superstar, as competitive as he is, That's got to be a goal of his is to set the franchise mark. And I think he can do it. He's, He's that skilled
0: maybe he's just looking at Leon and saying, I, I don't want to get the German record. Maybe that's, he needs to get now, to 140 or something.
1: <laughs> I mean, 90 points, that's sixth all time. Like there's only five seasons better than what Tim stutzler did at 20 years old. That was counting as his 20 year old season since he started at that age on, on quant hockey. So the, uh, the only other 20 year old that's even close on this list is Alexi Ashton's rookie year when he had 79. So hmm. like th- that's just how how talented this kid is. And, uh, man, we're we're just seeing him getting going, right? Like Eric Carlson was a to put it in comparison, Eric Carlson's first rookie or first Norris season, he was 22, so he, he was a year older already. And it just shows like the trajectory this kid's on is, uh, is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. He's just been he's he puts bums in seats. And uh, I mean, it looks like the sense fans have been uh selling out m- many more games than, than prior years, but I think uh, Timmy's last season is probably. Pretty big reason for that. Uh, for you guys, like you guys cover the team day in, day out. Who's maybe jumped out in preseason for you guys? That's maybe more um, kind of underrated or, or not like a, a star name.
2: I'll go with Yuri Shemekow. Uh He's been really impressive. This is a guy, uh European, 26 years old, coming over trying to make his uh, claim in the NHL. And he had a bunch of options of uh, places he could go, and he chose Ottawa. And look, with... Things looking like uh, you need a boost in offense in your bottom six. Certainly last season, there wasn't much offense in that bottom six. This is a guy that could come in and play certainly on the fourth line, but maybe even uh, spend some time on that third line. And I think he could do well because the thing I like about him is he's got size, he's got vision, and he's got a nice shot. So he's been really impressive to me so far in this preseason, Alex. And I would say as far as... uh, you know, looking at battles and battling for a bottom six winger job. He's been one of the most impressive newcomers so far.
1: I love that answer, Pilsy. I would have taken it if you didn't. So I'll go, can I, I'll give two, because one, I just want to give a quick stick tap to Corpus Al. Like he's not an underrated guy, but he's a huge piece of importance uh, for the Sens going forward. So for him to get that 40 safe shutout in Halifax, I think that's a huge step in the right direction for him and Anton Forsberg for coming back from his uh, gruesome double MCL tears. Uh, to have two great starts, albeit in preseason. I know Asterix, um, those should be kind of, uh, you know, looked upon uh, under a bright light. That said, Roby Yarventi playing center and dominant, not dominating, but playing well enough that I think that he and Ridley Gregg right now, it should be a toss-up between if there is a placeholder for Shane Pinto and it's one of those two guys. Like, to me, it's a toss-up. Before the season, I would have said Ridley Gregg, no, no point in even having a competition, just give it to him. But Yarventi's come in here and, and really shown some improvements in all aspects of his game, especially defensively and his willingness to move his feet when he doesn't have the puck on his stick. So I think Roby Yarventi has done a lot for his future in this training camp.
0: What What do you make of the Tarasenko signing and also just how you've kind of what do you make of his preseason so far? I see a lot of people on Twitter seem to be really down on him. I, I feel a bit more maybe am kind of indifferent to that. I feel he hasn't been great. Hasn't been terrible, but what do you guys make of the signing and just how he's played so far?
1: Yeah. I have one one rule I live by guys. I do not judge veterans play in preseason harshly. Like I'll, I'll like give a shout out to it. If they play well, like Jacob Chickren in, in Toronto when he had those two goals. But if you don't play well in the preseason and if you have six 30 goal seasons under your belt in the NHL, I'm not too worried about how you're lining up against, you know, uh, who was it like, uh, you know, the, these six pair defensemen of, of the Winnipeg Jets or, you know, in Pittsburgh, I guess last night, they were addressing a more NHL ready group, but uh, the signing in general now, like I always said, I liked it. I love the idea that, you know, fide NHL stars, albeit maybe on the back nine, hopefully on the 13th hole, well, not the 18th um, in their career are choosing to play in Ottawa. I just wish the Sens would have budgeted for Shane Pinto and taken care of their internal business before going out. And that's kind of like, it's not to the same extent, obviously, as Toronto with John Tavares, but it is in the sense that it's a luxury purchase. They already were set down the middle. They went out and got it. Ottawa, you take care of your own first and then spend around that. That's my only kind of qualm with it but overall like yeah to attract a player like that to round out the top six is is a solid move and i'm excited to see what he looks like in november because i care about that a lot more than i do about how he looks in september
2: yeah especially for a guy like tarasenko who makes his living off scoring goals like it's a new team he's trying to figure out chemistry he's not all all the way ramped up yet i i think tarasenko is going to be just fine and uh i'm although it might come at the cost of uh, some tense times with negotiating with Shane Pinto, I still am in favor of that signing.
0: If, if Norris is healthy and Pinto gets signed and and barring, uh, you know, a Matthew Joseph trade or something like that, let's just presume in a perfect world, there's no like significant uh, roster move out for the sense who's your second and third line kind of um, lines for you guys. Like it does seem as though it's probably going to be Kachuk Stutzler and Drew just because of how well they've looked <laughs> like last night and then just in general from last year the carryover but for you guys who would be maybe the second and third lines
1: well first let me ask you this Alex would your first line if you were the coach be Stutzla Kachuk and Drew
0: I I want to know what Norris looks like I I really feel like that's but if 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 he looks a bit maybe up you know a stride off or something like that I'd maybe put um, Giroux on that second line and take face-offs as I think you guys talked about it but just you do not want Josh Norris taking face-offs I think that's my card do.
2: he doesn't yeah um, Ross that's what, are, you guys were talking yeah, about it yeah we have this divide here and uh look I would rather have an 80 percent Josh Norris not taking face-offs still scoring 30 goals rather than have Josh Norris trying to take face-offs getting injured at any second and he misses most, if not all of the season. That's, that's where I stand. I,
0: I so. also just to chime in. I, I also think if he came into camp and there was no like, Oh, he got tweaked and st- like tweaked his shoulder isn't playing. Um, then I'd feel a bit different, but the fact that he's still leaning on that mm-hmm. shoulder, then I, that feels like it changes how I see it because it's clearly still a problem. than if he came out after the eight months and we're good to go and presuming everything's fine. So um, but I, I do think that's going to be interesting for this team is just how they navigate that. But also like Tarasenko, like there's a world where he's on the third line and that probably doesn't make sense for him. Does he play on his off wing? Does he play left wing? Like they, they do have some interesting options and decisions for DJ Smith.
2: Yeah, I think we're gonna see that top line be Kachuk, uh, Stuttsler, Giroux, regardless of what happens with Norris and Pinto. It just seems like that's that's the best line. Like you, it'd be kind of silly to break them up. So I, I get that. Uh, and then it, for what it looks like so far in the preseason, Tarasenko has played the left side exclusively so he's going to be on that left side Batherson's going to be the right side and then I think Kubalik and Joseph are going to be the wingers on the third line so we can't really answer the question of who's going to be down the middle with all this uncertainty unfortunately
0: do you feel like to go to the defense do you like the pairing of of Shabbat and and Chikrin and then vice versa with Sanderson and Zubas that making out the top four like does that make sense to you and do you like a left Shot defenseman playing on their their wrong side, especially in Shabbat.
1: Yeah, I'll let Pilsy get into that last part. I just say don't touch the top four. I think you can alternate of who's playing the left and right side, but like to me, that's that's the way it should be. Honestly, I, I think that that Chikrin's kind of a perfect balance where even though he's an offensive defenseman, he has the booming shot. I I really do feel like uh, like when you have Chikrin there, as he's also a stabilizer defensively, and and Shabbat needs that.
2: Yeah, I I agree. You keep the top four as is. Look, it's preseason, so maybe this is just an experiment, but I'm not a fan of Thomas Shabbat on the right side. He's played the left side as far as I've ever seen. Uh, I think he's better playing the left side. He's going to be the guy transitioning the puck up the ice more often than not on that pair of chabot Chikrin. I. I just think Shabbat on the left side, chicken on the right side makes more sense, especially chicken as the shooter. Get him on his uh offside so he can use that one timer a little bit more often if he gets the opportunity for that. So I'm not too uh concerned one way or another, but I would prefer to have Shabbat left chicken right.
0: So before I let you guys go, and I really appreciate you you giving me the time, I have some fun over unders for you, and then we'll we'll go All into right. the kind of playoff prediction and just in terms of who's in, who's out, and uh, everything like that. So, um, the first one is, and I, I I've tried to make it so it's really like like uh, like a good over under. It's it's tough. Uh, Brady Kachuk forty goals. Do you take the over or do you take the under? He had thirty five last year.
1: If you're taking the over, I would recommend you sprint. Don't yes. run over to FanDuel because right now if you have forty plus goals for Brady Kachuk is paying four eighty plus four eighty oh uh for that. So you can go That's over there. Easy. Put in 10, make $48 just uh, just off of that. Now, I think that that's a, a fair number to have it at, but I'm going to take a slight under on that, unfortunately. I think it would be great to see. But if if the captain is anything over 30, the way that he plays and his underrating playmaking skills, I think that the points might be a, a little bit higher. I think that a fun uh, one for him, too, is 90 points. Um, whereas I think that if he could get even a couple extra assists this year, and and maybe a couple, like he's always going to be around the net, so maybe the yeah. goals is the play. But I think that uh, ninety points is kind of what I have earmarked for him, but like thirty six to thirty
2: eight goals. Okay, yeah, I've got, I've got him in the thirty two to thirty eight goal category here, so I, I'm going to take the under on that.
0: Okay, well, we already talked about Tim Stutzla hundred points. I feel we 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 got that, but. Over
2: over yeah. let's over?
0: Do it. okay over okay
2: I, i've been conservative on that but uh i'm i'm coming around so and if they him. keep yeah yeah if they keep that line together timmy's getting 100 so let's let's smash the over on that one alex
0: now now this one's i i think tough um and this is again with a player that has had a bit of injury uh unluck, i guess or not been lucky with injuries but um jacob chikrin 15 goals over or under
2: this is funny because Ross, we did our projections for goals on the back end, and I had Chikrin at 15 goals. Um, it all everything as far as points go for defensemen, it all comes down to who's going to play that top power play. That's everything comes down to that The whoever is the defenseman on the top power play i believe will have the most points
0: can i follow up for both of you for the power play just quickly like what is your starting your, your first unit and like who's playing on, on the first unit of the power play
1: let's, let's dive into that first i'll tell you i'm gonna go with a slight under because as you mentioned health is such a feature yeah. only nine defensemen in the nhl last year had 15 or more goals um and the list is like Super impressive. Eric Carlson at 25, which is, is ridiculous. Dougie Hamilton at 22. Brady Shea and Roman Yosi and Brent Burns all at 18. Kale McCarr at 17. Uh, Brandon Montour, Josh Morris, he had 16. And Rasmus Dahlin at 15. So like that's elite, elite company uh, there. So again, the power play is going to have a lot to do with it. Um, but I'm going to say slight under. I'm going to go 13 or 14. But if he plays all, all 82 games, the last time he played a full season, was the COVID-shortened year, 56 games, and he led all defensemen in the NHL in goals. So he does have a reputation for that. Pilsy, who's your
2: top power play unit? Uh, I mean, obviously Tim Stutzel is on there. Obviously Brady Kachuk is on there. And apart from, other than those two guys, I'm kind of okay with any mix. Like a- any mix of Giroud, Norris, Tarasenko, Sanderson, Shabbat like, batherson yeah at like as long as those two guys are on the top unit there's so much talent around them i'm not, I'm not too concerned because you could put like this team's gonna have a power play 1a and a power play 1b like it's not gonna be one unit that goes out there for a minute and a half and then the second unit just comes out and hopes to get a cookie or two if they if they have the opportunity
0: um you do you want to add to that ross
2: no, I was just gonna say I like Batherson
1: kind of floating in the high slot and being able to kind of be a, a bit of a rover out there. So I'd probably have
2: Batherson as a, a lock on my top unit.
0: Any chance that there's two defensemen on the first unit? I feel like that's probably unlikely. Uh
2: two defensemen are gonna be on the second unit. That I'm pretty sure of.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so I will I will transition as best I can. Jake Sanderson, 40 points. Over under.
1: I'm going over. I like the setting on that though. Yeah, it's between 38 and 42 for me. So
2: yeah, I'll go over. Yeah, because I, I think eventually it might not start out this way, but I think eventually Jake Sanderson will be the quarterback of that first power play unit. Yeah. Mm.
0: Um, okay. Uh Drake Batherson, 65 points. Over oh. or under? Over. Over.
1: I think if he's healthy, he's getting 80. I, I think that he's gonna we, have a huge year. Huge year. Yeah. He he's yeah. back. Like think of how think of how well he was playing before the high ankle sprain. He's I think he's over. going to be that and more this year. Yep. Okay.
0: Vladimir Tarasenko, 25 goals over.
2: Over. Oh, yeah. This guy's a, he scored 30 goals six times uh, as an NHLer. I think if, again, I hate to say it, but health permitting, because he did have some injuries last season, health permitting, this guy's going to light it up. I'm going over.
1: Yeah, over for me as well. Just probably a goal or two over, though. I don't think he's going to be sniffing thirty-five or anything. But yeah, I think thirty-two to thirty-four is probably the range I have him in. But I also could see him scoring twenty-one if if we're (laughs) going to the other end of it. I think it. We're gonna we're gonna know in the first few weeks of the season what we're. Yeah, that's
2: fair.
0: Which which uh, sends goalie do you think has more wins
1: at the end of the year? Great question. I'll go with Eunice Corpusalo.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be Corpuzalo not because I don't believe in Forsberg just new contract. This is a big year for him and uh he's looked really good so far. Or at least in that uh the previous game up against Pittsburgh he looked really good and uh I'm I'm becoming a Al believer. It's it's I'm coming around here.
0: goalie friendly show. Um how, but how do you guys to to follow up on that? How how do you guys think the Sens will go in term play those two guys? Like is it very much very close to 50 50 is Corpusalo more like 60 40 is it I, I mean i doubt forsberg has uh the edge at least just with the contract and everything but how do you think dj smith goes about that
1: i don't think either start 50 so no. somewhere somewhere below that
0: okay do you have a hedge on who like is it Corpusalo or
1: whoever plays I think more, gonna be whoever plays more is gonna be the one who's playing better so I'll I'll be happy as long as that's kind of the the thread that they do as long as it's not unearned or injuries like last year it was like Forsberg started what like ten of the first twelve games it felt like he was you know in there every night and you know, you just don't want these guys to get uh, to get tired early on so I hope it's pretty even split early and then throughout the second half of the season ride the hot hand as much as you can yeah
0: um Thomas Shabbat fifty points.
1: Oh, he he has to, and I think that he he fell just short of that last year, yeah, he right? Did. He played, did. He missed yeah. a lot of games. He had forty one.
2: Yeah, I think he'll he he'll to. barely make it over. I think he'll has barely to. make it over.
1: He has to. Yeah. No. And
0: and so I remember we talked about this last year on on Clojure's road to a thousand points, but I just he still looks really good in preseason. That's Wait. one thing uh, for sure. Uh, does he get to seventy points again? Do you think that's still possible? Yeah,
1: Hopefully. I think he can get to 80 points. Like he's he's not going anywhere. Like I look at look at Joe Pavelski's career stat line, and that's kind of how I see Claude changing. Mm. Both of them similar in terms of you know being a longtime captain in one place and then moving on to second phase of their career and then playing with young players that have kind of made well, at least in Pavelski's case, like made him young again, with playing with Rupe hints and Jason Robertson. And I just see Giroux is going to score 80 points for the next four or five years. Like, I I don't know how he's going to slow down because it's it's not, his game isn't predicated on speed. It's predicated on thinking five steps ahead of the opposition. So, and he's going to score at least 10 more goals doing that. He tried it in Pittsburgh or against Pittsburgh the other night uh, doing that little flip shot from the neutral zone where he tries to get a one hop yeah, yeah, Like did against one so he got
0: against Vegas.
1: <laughs> Hilarious, man. He's so funny and he's such a huge part of the team. Yeah, 80 points is where I got Giroux this year.
2: Nice, yeah, I am hitting that over as well.
0: Okay, well, uh, again, uh, thanks so much. I want to give ask you guys what what what's your prediction for the team? Not only just do they make the playoffs, where they maybe rank in the division and or like wild card in terms of if they are to make the playoffs. Like, what, Brandon? What do you think? Where where do the sends land at the end of this season?
2: I've kind of staked my claim in they are going to make the playoffs. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, I think they're going to be a wild card team, whether they're the top or bottom wild card team remains to be seen, but I don't care. I Like they could look at Florida. They were the last team to make the playoffs and they make a run all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So just get into the playoffs. And my goal is that whoever their round one opponent is, they make it really hard on them. Like they don't get swept. It's not, it's not a gentleman's sweep. They're going six or seven games, but not, not unconvincingly like they're making it really tough on them i'm i'm not sure if they can uh win a playoff round yet just because a lot of these players uh brady timmy thomas spot uh, a lot of these jake sanderson a lot of these guys don't have playoff experience so i think um that's that's a good goal to set for this year is a real competitive round one
0: as a wild card team is that as a wild
2: card team yeah uh-huh. ross how about you
1: I, I think I said earlier in this conversation, I'm convincing myself they can be a second or third place team in the Atlantic division. I think really? Toronto's way ahead of them in terms of like, you know, establishing themselves as a regular season contender. So I, I have the Leafs winning the division with Ottawa finishing probably Probably third behind Boston is my guess, but I think that they can be right there with the Bruins. And then I've got Tampa fighting for that wild card spot with Buffalo. Buffalo could also be a team that finishes in the top three as well. I think they're going to take a step forward. I just really struggled thinking a 21 year old, no matter how talented Devin Levi is, that he can play 50, 60 games and be that number one every single night in the NHL. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but especially coming from college, like yeah. he's ever played in a season. It's 35 games. Now he's gonna play 60. All mm-hmm. right. Hour to him if he can do it but i have my doubts that said the atlantic's going to be a dog fight the wild card's going to be a dog fight and i can't wait to get this season underway oh yeah
0: oh so what are you guys going to do for the first round when uh, the leafs play the sens what 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 are you guys going to do or just even if the sens make the playoffs like what what's locked on senators and you guys going to do is it just like a huge party at the glebe central pub and then yeah.
2: well I can tell you, Alex, I've never been to an NHL playoff game, let alone an Ottawa Senators playoff game. So whichever game is their first home game, I can guarantee you I will be there. And first game.
1: Pills, we're going to the first playoff game in podcast history. We have to be. <laughs> That's moved. true.
2: Yeah. Even if it's a road game. Yeah. yeah, yeah
1: Like, you know, there's paternity leave. There's maternity leave. Like, I'm going to have go to. Even if it's a road football. game. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. I'm going to have to boss has asked for like sends turnity leave like hey like it's playoffs like <laughs> i need to be understanding here i need a couple weeks i need any anything between a week and a half to two months off hope you understand yeah
2: <laughs> yeah exactly that's why they close
1: out series early maybe i come back for a few days in between i just
0: <laughs> i just want you guys to get like meth or someone to like get you into like uh the leafs barn for uh that series i'd be oh no
2: if they
1: play the leafs in round one we're
2: we're going yeah i mean we may have to uh make some financial moves to afford those (laughs) tickets but we're gonna get there
0: there you go there you go um i want to just give you guys the floor anything you want to plug for your podcast everyone should check out locked on senators and just uh, i know um uh, i'm unsure what i'm doing for the home opener i will be there in some capacity either as media or as or as a a fan but what do you guys have up uh, up your sleeve for um
2: no, don't make me do this,
1: oh, Ross. You're the plug on this is my flu game today. It's all you. I want to hear it.
2: All right, guys. I am a expert social media content creator and promoter. So here we go. You can check <laughs> us out. The Locked On Senators podcast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Send Central, on Instagram, at locked on senators. Nailed that, nailed that. Um, you can Listen to our show five days a week. We're going to be doing the postcast. Um, awesome. If you guys are in the Ottawa area, check out the Glebe Central Pub website. They're doing the Send shuttle bus again. You're going to want to get on top of that. And we've got some big guests coming up uh, to start the season off before the season kicks off. Ross and I like to do kind of a lineup of Sens guests. So keep your eyes peeled for some big Send's guests we're going to have leading up to the start of the regular season here.
0: Ross, do you want to add anything to that or?
2: Oh, Pilsy nailed it. Can't beat perfection.
0: <laughs> that's great guys. Well, thank you so much for, for kind of coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited to check out all the big guests. Um, I'm sure Mark Mathod is not one of them. So uh, that's unfortunate, but overall i um, obviously kidding. Um, I just really excited to to kind of watch uh, and, and listen along to you guys throughout the year. And we we need that playoffs as as a as a diehard uh, sense fan. We just need you guys at a playoff game too, and uh, I, I I definitely would love to to watch uh, you guys uh, tr- like the traveling circus everywhere to <laughs> all the playoff games. So thanks again, guys, and uh, I really appreciate it
1: is there a way that uh that we can get uh, get you know a, a, a live stream rolling for a week and a half that we'll, we'll be thinking up plans all year long Big time, about 100%. uh what to do if if we can get this team into the playoffs cuz it'll feel like the biggest breath of fresh air like it's uh it's been way too long and Alex we appreciate what you're doing here it's been awesome to follow the growth of your show and uh we're happy to join you anytime so thanks for having us yep thanks
0: I will just say I need you guys to to come straight on to my podcast for a postcast when the Suns win the Cup immediately after <laughs> that game. That's <laughs> that's my expectation for the commitment of uh, showing up on this podcast. There we oh,
1: go. We'll put it in the schedule right away. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, take care.